Here oh, yeah. we oh, yeah. go uh-huh, uh-huh. Again Oh yeah What is up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast We are your hosts Nate, John, Brandon, and boys today we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night from Sao Paulo, Brazil, which was headlined by Derek Lewis versus Jailton Almeida. And then it's here, UFC 295, and we are going to get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for the light heavyweight title main event between Yuri Prohashka and Alex Pereira, as well as the whole main card, including the interim heavyweight title main, uh, co-main event between Tom Aspinall versus Sergei Pavlovich. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys, how are we doing episode 157 of the Neon Belly podcast? Or, as some people have fancied calling it, the number of consecutive games Steph Curry went was scoring at least one three-pointer episode of the Neon Belly podcast, which was an NBA record, Brandon, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Just glad to be here. Oh, yeah. I bet I beat both you in a three-point contest. Oh, that's impossible, but I do bet you. Could, I do think you would probably beat John. I don't think so at all. Yeah, I, I would. I would give you that. No, not even close. I, John, if you like right now shot three three pointers and even hit the rim, I would be impressed. I would. I would be willing to bet you a thousand dollars. I could hit the rim in three. three I would points. be impressed. Ooh. I would be very. Impressed. I would do it right now. Yeah. I think the last time I remember, like last time I saw John throw a football, it literally went straight into the ground. <laughs> like John has not done very much athletic movements. I think in That's so long that he's lost. It's not that, even like, a little bit true. We were at you remember Q right? He's, yeah. He was in my wedding. Mm-hmm. We we're outside of his grandparents' house throwing a football on the road, and John like just goes to like unload. A, I guess I don't know what he thought he was going to be, and it just went like straight into the ground. It was a foam football. This <laughs> okay, big. here come no. the excuses. <laughs> it's like throwing a ping pong. Man, the wet, the wind came out and like yeah. right at that exact yeah, time, spiked and just, it right. And not even ground. a little bit. Yeah, so I would be impressed. Um, and I haven't seen John like you know in terms of like sporting events do much since then. So mm-hmm. I would be impressed. Three shots if you hit the rim. Like I said, if you want to put a thousand dollars down at any time, I, mean, I would definitely wouldn't put a thousand. Well, then you don't feel that confident. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I guess. I feel that confident, but I would be impressed. I'll say that. I'm just saying it's not if that you bad. Just hit the rim. I would be. It impressed. would be pretty easy. <laughs> First shot. We're gonna. Um, we'll, this will happen before the pickleball thing. Yeah, like, probably this at this rate. Uh, boys, as mentioned there, UFC 295 plus fights to recap. Uh, so per usual, we are going to jump into it. But before we do, rate, sub, follow. John, let the people know. You guys know what we ask you to do every time, man. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave us five stars. On Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave us a review. We read them on here. It helps us out a lot. On uh, social media, on um, Instagram, on X, on YouTube, TikTok, Neon Belly Podcast, and the Neon Belly Pod for X. Um, just come through and show us some love, man. We got a, a big end of the year coming up, so we'll be talking about a lot of things. So come through. Absolutely. Boy, John is really mad about it. I just said that. Did you hear the tone there at the end? John is not in a good mood after I called him out on that. Boys, this past Saturday. No, I really genuinely no, feel that you way. Know That's not me trolling for the pod. Like, yeah, I swear. We, we grew up playing if, every sport every absolutely. day. No, absolutely. But I'm just saying the last, like, semi athletic thing I saw you doing. I do jujitsu every week. Well, you sit on your butt and let no, people, like, jump no, on you. No, you don't watch. Here's my question Do you think he's more mad about the basketball thing or the football thing? Just to get that. I clear. think he's probably more no. mad I outed him on the football the thing. The football yeah. thing. Because <laughs> okay. he instantly went to that. It was a foam football. No. That was like. How many years ago was that? 
three. It was a couple. That's the sad thing. And that's I, what I'm saying. I don't know what you've done since then. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Well, like you can find out if you want to put some money up. <laughs> this past Saturday, boys, UFC fight night from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and in our main event, Jailton Almeida defeats Derek Lewis via. You uh, unanimous decision. I don't think anyone had this fight going the distance on their parlay, uh, to say the least. You did last minute when they put up that the oh, odds the were plus twelve hundred. I threw like, it on there. I threw seven bucks on there and won sixty five. I mean, dude, I don't blame me. <laughs> yeah, it was like plus twelve hundred. Uh, good for you. I did see they threw that. It up felt right like as the fight started as it as it was going. I was like, here's the thing. There's a good chance Derek Lewis knocks him out in the first. But there's also a really good chance this is kind of a, a long one. Well, and I think that's the thing. I think Derek Lewis deserves a ton of respect in a sense, and especially in credit, you know, for making this happen, making this fight go as long as it did, especially um, stepping in. I, I think it was like 10 days notice mm-hmm. um, because this was total domination by Jail Almeida. It has to be said off top. Easily two 10-8 rounds uh, in rounds one and two. Rounds three and four, you know, I think Almeida kind of started to fade a bit. And, and, you know, Lewis, you felt at least was kind of starting to have chances in those later rounds. You mm-hmm. know, by round three, you know, there was a couple moments in there where it's like, you know, he at least maybe saved the 10-8, right? Enough right. to do that. Um, but Almeida's wrestling, just way too good, man. And he found a way each round to get this fight uh, exactly where he wanted it. He just struggled to find the finish in the end. Um and I guess for you guys sitting here today, you know, is that just more of a case of maybe Lewis is just literally the anti-jujitsu? Or do you think maybe there's some, again, super dominant. I don't want to say, like, dog. Like, just wasn't even a close fight. Um, but do you think maybe there's a slight room for criticism that maybe Almeida, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, dominating, tapping everybody out, should have found a finish uh, with just over 20 minutes of control time. 21 minutes to be exact, which means there was only four minutes of this 25-minute fight where he wasn't in control. Um, and most of that was in full mount as well, worth noting as well. So 100%, I think criticism is due. So I want to start with a positive, though, because I don't want it to sound like I'm just going to completely trash up Manny because it was a great performance. I mean, like you said, you control 21 minutes of a fight. That's not something to just forget about. Um, and the takedowns out in the open looked great, which was something I talked about last week was I was kind of concerned about those. Sure. They didn't look too good. They looked really a lot better um, last night than, than they did previously. So, but yeah, man, when you're on in Mount like that, like mm-hmm. the, the chances of head and arm choking Derek Lewis possible. It's been, it's been done, but yeah. not that high. It just seemed to me like he wasn't pulling the trigger as far as letting, letting his punches go when yeah. he was on top. Like, sure, there was a few times where Lewis was kind of holding his wrist, but to me, Lewis was doing almost nothing to escape Mount, to get out of that bad position. He yeah. was content just laying there, and why wouldn't he be? Almeida was throwing nothing at him. There sure. was no danger, and he knew he wasn't going to be able to submit him, so what am I worried about? I'll just lay here. Yeah. Um, so to me, all that a lot of that falls on Almeida is just not throwing. You just need to th- throw more punches there, more strikes. They're well, right there. And I think at the end of round three, he did, and that really did get a reaction out of Derek right. Lewis, where he started trying to turtle, like get to turtle and get up and get out. But that but, was the only moment I can yeah. think of throughout that entire fight where I was like, yeah, that's what we need more yeah. of. I said that on my couch, like, okay, you need more of that yeah. throughout the round because you're in that position the entire time. Where, yeah. And I think maybe he was just so gassed. I don't know. But that that's the only criticism I would say. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this, and it's it's one of those weird things that I can actually relate to of jujitsu just being kind of weird for people against me is I give up mount a lot because yeah. it's not easy to attack me from there. Yeah. And I think for Derek Lewis, and I think Almeida learned this, I think it was in the third when Lewis was able to get on top of him and throw some ground and pound strikes. 
if you go for an arm bar, even going for his back, Derek Lewis was turning into his guard like almost all the way fully every time just because he's so big. Mm-hmm. I think he probably felt like his options were so limited once he really felt him. And even with the ground and pound, you know, he talked about how Lewis's hands were so big they can completely wrap around his wrist and control him. He thought he was grabbing his glove. He kept on yelling to the ref about it, and the ref kept on telling him, no, he has your wrist. Um, I do think there's obviously some – I think he, he made some adjustments in the later rounds going to more like a half guard to do his ground and pound further back to where he wasn't in as much damage to get pushed over or have to mm-hmm. keep transitioning. But I think he just found a, a puzzle that's really hard to – I mean, and Derek Lewis for his submission defense, even with the head and arm and some of the other positions, I think he gets a lot of credit. I think uh, somebody on uh, Instagram I think said it like, Derek Lewis lost, but he beat jujitsu tonight because the guy just can constantly was working. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's that he beat jujitsu or he just beat the jujitsu that he was dealt. If that makes sense, and I, and I mm-hmm. guess like, you know, a couple weeks ago I got my purple belt and I was like, man, I just don't know if I feel like I, I deserve that. But one thing I do feel like I'm a purple belt at is big man jujitsu, kind of like to what John's speaking to, and I 100% agree with what you're saying, like chokes like choky things like head and arm chokes like I, we were just joking like i almost give my back up because yeah. it's just not easy to submit it like if somebody's on my back it's by no means am i saying it's impossible but it's just not easy mm-hmm. it's very hard to do and and especially a guy like Derek lewis doesn't have much of a neck big head you know big shoulders it's like man there's not a lot to really in that that's kind of what it was like mm-hmm. every time almeida would work you know a head and arm choke or got to the back it's just like he just was slight it was just coming right up Derek lewis even face chokes and, every time he kind of gets close Derek Lewis would turn and now he's almost all the way but you know, like, dude, facing like, you. I remember at one point I, I think it was at the end of like the second round and like or maybe it was the second or fourth and like Almeida's literally standing over top of Derek Lewis like not even inbound like Derek is just flat on his back it's like grab his arm like there's a thing called a Kimura that's a great big man finishing move yeah. like like there's so many like other things I felt like he could have done and um you know even in his post fight you know saying you know they felt like he put on a show it's like well you definitely dominated the fight I would give that but mm. um yeah maybe just left a little bit to be desired and I and I hate to be that way because we're talking about I I think literally statistically it was the most dominant one-sided I think they said he broke the Curtis Blades record for most control time in a heavyweight fight so again, it's not that it wasn't you know mm-hmm. impressive in that. This is still Derek Lewis, who is very dangerous. He but, gets up a lot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just was like, man, after a couple rounds, you're like, all right, let's get this over with now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It just never came. You know, I honestly think my criticism is I think he could have. I think you're playing a game when you stand up with Derek Lewis. But I thought even those first exchanges, that head kick and that punch. Derek Lewis in the first round before he got to the takedown, Derek Lewis kind of shook his head and looked at him like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't expect you to land that. Um, so I think maybe he, obviously he needs to have a little bit more faith in his standup, but we're talking about heavyweights and this could also be a a catalyst for maybe, you know, obviously he's going to be a problem for every heavyweight, but if he's not able to submit these bigger guys who they're only, you know, they only stay that big as you go up for the most part. Um, it, it could be something that he struggles with getting finishes. I don't think I don't think anybody's going to be a struggle for him as far as like being too big for him to wrestle them. But because I mean, Derek Lewis is about as big as it gets. But I do think you know he's definitely going to have to find some some other ways of attacking because, like I said, I imagine Pavlovich would be very similar to to this as far as just being really big and hard to do something with. What were you going to add, Brandon? You were yeah, no, just just something I was thinking about just in terms of where the fight could have been finished in my opinion. And obviously I'm not a coach. I'm a purple jujitsu. Like I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody in that, but, but it just seemed to me like there was two or three instances where he had full hooks in on Lewis and he got him flattened out to his belly. And yeah. like, 
all you have to do is throw maybe 20 consecutive sure. strikes from that position. Like he, he established throughout that fight that when Lewis was going for that kind of big man, stiff arm role, mm-hmm. he maintained back, he maintained top position. So, okay, we know he's not going to throw you off at this point, maintain the position, flatten him out and just land some punches that Lewis can't defend and you win that fight. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. So it was just kind of frustrating. Some of that was just frustrating to see, I guess. Yeah, I agree. But again, like I said, very dominant, very one-sided. And I think he had the perfect call out um, of surreal gone. You know, I couldn't agree more with that matchup. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think the fight really honestly books itself at this point uh, because regardless, you know, of the lack of finishing, you know, this performance, y- you can't deny y- regardless again, like I said, of where Derek Lewis is in his career, that's still a big win. And, you know, we haven't necessarily seen him dominated, I don't think, that I can recall, at least in that, you know, way recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do I do believe that he um, belongs at the top of this division right away. Um, and obviously, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of heavyweight prospects here in a few. But, you know, how do you guys think Almeida stacks up to the likes of Tom Aspinall, Sergei Pavlovich, and, and Surreal Gone? You know, is he ready, do you think, um, to take that? Because he is, you got to think, in terms of ranking, he's ranked nine. Derek Lewis was 10, you know, but does he belong up there in that top five right now? I think so. I think especially yeah. with it being heavyweight, like I think that's sure. really kind of a big factor in that. Um, I think he's established that he's got, and to me, like the we've talked about this, the new wave of heavyweights is just that athletics and the athleticism. And I think he possesses all of that. And um, I, I think he fits right in with the top five at this point. Yeah, I think that, you know, some of the questions I might have had for his style um, at heavyweight kind of got answered in the fight. Um, you do worry about the the uppercut, but you can't throw the uppercut at your ankles, and that's where he was getting those far-out takedowns from, you know, getting at the shins and kind of wrapping them. Yeah, his ability to reshoot. I think that in itself, like to shoot, then reshoot, I think that's going to be such a problem at heavyweight because I just don't know how many guys have really dealt with something of that level. And even when, you know, Lewis would get his hips back, you know, and sprawl decently well, Cut an angle. he would find an angle, you know, chain it to the next thing, and it's like, man, that's just that is going to be so tough for any heavyweight to deal with. Yeah, you know? and you know he he ate the ground and pound strikes, and some of them were clean. Yeah, um, even like elbows when he was deep on the double leg, he was taking elbows to the head and punches, and was able to still power through them. Um, and I think that's the most because I mean, look at what somebody like Curtis Blades was doing with just kind of like a slight level change, and this guy's doing chain wrestling yeah. at heavyweight. Like that's going to be so hard for a lot of these guys. I mean, I was even blown away. Like there was that one sequence, and it was like third, fourth round where like I know Almeida was gassed, and um, he was uh, Derek Lewis had gotten on top, and he kind of did like a deep half sweep yeah. into like an old school. Like, dude, that is so hard to do mm-hmm. to somebody that size, and mm-hmm. like I mean. He was just did it to like literally perfection on a guy the size of Derek Lewis. So even there, like I know that was something that stood out for me is like, okay, say he goes against a Tom Aspinall one day, which pretty sure sitting here today, we're going to see that matchup at some point, right? Yeah. Gelatin Almeida versus Tom Aspinall. Even if Tom Aspinall can get him down to know that he can do something like that to 265, that's what he weighed in. You know, right. Derek Lewis mm-hmm. probably closer to 280 last mm-hmm. night, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because he has to cut to that mm-hmm. weight. So to know he can do that to him, it's like, what does he do to 240 pound Tom Aspinall? Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? It's like, that's something to remember. You keep those types of like things in the back of your mind. So, Again, super impressive, but I am more on the side of like, oh, I just wish he would have finished. I think you just would have added more today of like, mm-hmm. 
Because I still think Surreal Gone's the best fight. I don't see, I, I don't even think that should be a question for the UFC. I mean, why would you not make that fight? And then right. obviously winner of that, right in line for a title. Um, but I, and, I, and I do agree. I think he belongs right up at the top of the heap with the rest of these guys you know, that we mentioned. So uh, moving into our co-main event, boys, Nick Dalby defeats Gabrielle Bonfim by second round knockout. <laughs> Uh, and how do you kill Nick Dolby? The answer is you don't, son. Uh, yeah. You know, we talked about it last week. Never been finished in his mixed martial arts career. Uh, and this is really, this is a huge win. Bone Veen took it to him hard in round one. Uh, seemed like he might at some point hand him his first professional finish. Uh, but then in round two, man, it was Dolby who came out, was walking down Bone Veen, um, And Bone Veen was making him pay still. But, I mean, you could see that energy bar of Bone Veen slowly depleting, right? Um, and eventually Dolby gets it done with a nice knee right down the middle. Um, finished it with the follow-up shots. They called it a TKO, but I'm sorry. When you watch that back, he was out on his way down to the ground. Um, and as mentioned, this is a huge win for him against an undefeated guy who came in with a ton of hype. Um, and he not only hands Bonfim his first professional loss, but now Nick Dolby in his second UFC stint, boys, extends his win streak to four straight. Um, and I told you guys last week, he wasn't going to just roll over for Gabriel Bonfim mm -hmm. and give him this free pass. Um, you know, he fights with a nastiness that really kind of seemed to show here uh, because it seemed to me the fight... Um, he, he kind of had a point to prove there is really like I kind of wondered if he would come in with that chip on his shoulder because mm -hmm. it did feel like they were bringing him here to Brazil against this young Brazilian stud undefeated to see him lose but he never let off the, ga the gas stuck to his game plan which you could tell was to just deplete him do exactly mm -hmm. what he did um, and I think he continues to look better every time we see him in there. Was a majority of Bonfim's wins previously early in earlier yeah, on, like, like early rounds, like first round, round one, two, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, the first round that's kind of what it looked like it was going to be. Perhaps not a finish, but it still looked like to me Bonfim was going to kind of run away yeah. with it and really just kind of take control of the entire fight. But yeah, yeah it right as in the second round kind of took off. And for me, I was watching on my phone, so as I'm getting into the car and I flip my phone back over, I, I'm watching the finish happen as I turn, so I kind of miss those moments right before. But um, yeah, I mean, just that energy bar like you talked about clearly. I mean, how much of that's just kind of been an issue we just hadn't known due to like, yeah. this fight's not going as long for Bonfim. But yeah, I mean, fantastic win for Dolby. Yeah, I think that uh, I have to add a new uh, X factor in, in how I look at fighters when it comes to durability. Because like you said, that first round, it just looked like he really he was just going to get overwhelmed. It kind of reminded me of the last fight for Bonfim in Brazil, where it's just like nobody was going to beat that guy that night because he had everything. Um, even like some of those submission, like the submission attempts that Bonfim was looking for, Dolby just was so hip to him and knew exactly when they were coming. Even I thought that, that there was a chance with that Dars when he was getting the grip around. Um, but I did. I do think Bonfim might have had a fight IQ mistake as well because I thought just covering up and looking for uppercuts was a bad way to combat getting off of the cage like that. I thought he should have looked maybe for a level change or something else, but by covering up like that, he was kind of just allowing Dolby to just kind of throw, grab his head and throw that knee a lot. So I thought maybe that was a little bit of a mistake there, but I do think also, like you said, the power bar was just gone. Maybe he just had a, an adrenaline dump in that first round, but Dolby just wasn't going to, 
gonna wilt to whatever Bonefiend was throwing at him. Yeah, <clears throat> said um, said he wants a ranked opponent next, and I think there's a case for that for Nick Dolby. You know, not only for the win streak, but also because you cannot tell me that if Bonefiend won this fight, that he probably wasn't uh, wouldn't have or wouldn't have gotten uh, a fight next against a ranked opponent. So I do believe that is probably next on the cards for Nick Dolby. And sometimes you see these performances, and I guess you could maybe in a sense call it a breakout performance, but um, there's always like I feel like there's always you could go back with every guy and at some point you remember seeing a performance where you're like oh man this guy I think there's actually something here because we cover these fights every week right and it's not like every time you know the co-main event or the third fourth fight you know a guy or girl wins and you're like this person's going to be a champion one mm-hmm. day or compete. And it's like, I, and I'm not saying that necessarily for Dolby, that he's going to be a future title contender or champion. But I feel like this is one of those ones where it's like, I think a lot of people are really going to start taking him a lot more serious and really looking at him because he is getting better every time. And this was a huge, huge win. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, like I said, I, that cannot be understated. So I'm excited to see where he goes next. Um, again, it may not be a ranked opponent, but I do think he deserves it because again, I do feel if Gabriel Bonfim won this fight in the first round or second mm-hmm. round, he probably would have gotten a top 15 opposition next time out. In, uh, in his post fight interview, they kind of pushed him into saying a name and he said, Jack Della. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen. But because well, you know how you know how Bisping like gets with yeah. fighters, where it's like, yeah. no, 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 give me a name, and he's like, ah, I'm Jack Della. I like it. I mean, at least he said somebody. Yeah, and you know that, that I'd be here for that fight. Shoot, I yeah, I agree. Uh, next uh, fight, boys. Kyle Bohio defeats Abus Magomedov via unanimous decision. This close, this fight, I mean, was really close through round one, um, but I f- did feel as it went on that Bohaya was kind of slowly starting to pull away, and by round three, he was very much in control, um, and that now brings Kayo to 5-0 and oh, um, in the UFC. How you guys feeling about Kayo Bohaya? Because I told you guys last week, but I'm really high on him. I, I think he's really high level. Well, the other talking point with this was a boost and kind of like where he stands and all this. Yeah. So do you feel like this is more of a, like the, the result of this fight, do you feel like it answers more questions about Kyle or do you feel like it kind of yeah. answers more questions about a boost compared to what we thought? Well, I think that's, the- yeah, no, I, I was going to ask you guys about that. You know what, you know, cause I do think that is the question, you know, where, what do we make now of a boost? It, you know, it is important to remember um, he was just one fight away, you know, or one prior fight. He fought Sean Strickland, right, who then went on to fight and win a world title. Mm-hmm. And Dana and the UFC were telling us how legit Abus is, right, and that no one wanted to fight him. But now as we sit here today, he's one and two in the UFC, two consecutive back-to-back losses. And it's like, well, maybe you can look past the Sean Strickland, right, because that aged pretty well in terms of a loss, I guess. But mm-hmm. sitting here today, maybe the Kyle one will too one day. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. Has he just gotten really, like, kind of short-staked here with the matchups, just not good matchups, or is he just not maybe what the UFC even thought he was? Right. I don't know. Uh, I thought Kyle's striking looked really, really good. I was impressed by him. Also, even switching stances um, and just not really even – I mean, he did shoot for a takedown uh, early, but just it was – even though he knew where his – you know, advantage seemed to lie, you know, to really push that striking against somebody who is this, you know, this is a guy that can knock you out, watch out for him with a boost. I was uh, very impressed by Kyle. And I will, and the only other thing I'll say is there was times where it kind of felt a little bit more friendly than I like for some fights. Like, well, what were, do you think of a boost? A boost? Yeah. I, I think that for somebody who was supposed to be the striker to get outstruck by somebody who is supposed to be, have the huge advantage on the ground. I think maybe he is running into a little bit too much too soon. Um, a little bit more than the UFC probably thought he could do. 
Yeah, and I, and I think coming into this, I felt that Kyle should have been flirting with the rankings. I believe after his last win, I said, man, I really think this guy should be fighting in the top 15. Um, and not only do I think he should break into that top 15 now, I think he needs top 15 opposition as well. Um, he had a really fun call out of Drikas Duplacy, but kind of like, you know, with the Jack Della, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's I love it, uh, but I don't think he gets it. Uh, yeah, but what do you guys think? You know, where do you think Kyle stocks up in this, you know, middleweight division that's just on? fire right now you know do you push him up into the top 15 i think top 15 makes sense but not top 10 not top five and like if we're just going to do mma math like look at the way strickland finished a boost and then you look at how kyo went with the boost i think yeah he's 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 up there but i think top 15 makes the most sense let's see how he does there and if he still is kind of running away with stuff at top 15 clearly then yeah we can start pushing him along and then uh, I don't know if you guys had any other results. I the one I need to shout out is Elvis Brenner. I mean, just a beautiful first round knockout. Um, and I've got I got to be honest. I think it's going to be really hard. We're you know we're a couple months away you know from our awards, and it's going to be really hard not to give this guy our rookie of the year. Three and O debuted this year. He's three and O. Uh, one of his his second fight in the UFC was against Guram Kuta Taladze. Um, finished him. Uh, I mean, I don't know. This guy just continues to impress. And this I was a catchweight. Yeah, it was a catchweight. I don't know if it was a last minute or if one of them, you know, missed weight or whatever. Um, but I think Elvis Brenner is definitely, definitely mm-hmm. somebody very interesting to watch. And, man, what a shot that was that he landed. I can't even pronounce his opponent's name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, I think it was yeah. Kynan. Right in the ear, dude. Yeah, like right kind of behind it. Just a really beautiful, like, kind of stepped off to the side and looped a right hand over the top. Um, not a great weekend for the Bonfim brothers, man. You know, you talk about two mm. other guys in terms of, like, rookie of the year, right? I mean, those are two guys that could have been in that discussion. Um, obviously, we already talked about um, uh, Gabrielle, was Gabrielle, right, fought. Was yeah, who was, was yeah, he's who fought. Okay, Gabrielle fought, lost, and then Ishmael uh, Bonfim was supposed to fight uh, Vince Pichel, and he missed weight. Mm. Uh, so yeah, not and then that fight was scrapped, and uh, Vince saying that basically he didn't want to give him a payday mm-hmm. uh, for not making weight, so he decided not to fight him. So yeah, not a good weekend for the Bonfim brothers. Um, Vitor Petrino, that knockout. I don't know if you've seen that. The light heavyweight. He's ten and zero right now, but he um, it was another. One of those just one punch and the guy just went completely out. He's somebody to watch. And then obviously we also had a fight fall off right before it started with the um uh Hadolfo and Petrosian. Oh, I didn't even think of, I didn't yeah. even see that. Why did uh, that fall off? Petrosian got Jeez. sick and he was sick in the back. I don't know if it, they said uh, probably could have been like food poisoning or something, but it was like right before the main card started. And I wish I would have had a chance. I was I was gone during most of the middle these middle fights, but I did not get to see the Hinat Fakhradimov. Uh, Weird. Yeah, I saw it ended in a draw. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Um, so I wish I had a take on that. It was um, Fakhradimov had like a ten eight the first round, and uh, the was it Dos Santos. He had a 10-8 in the third round. The middle round was kind of a toss-up. Okay. They both kind of almost finished each other. But at the end, they were, like, hugging and stuff. So, once again, it was just kind of weird of, like, a really close fight. But Well, yeah. Uh, what I was going to say, Hinat's ranked inside the top 15 of the welterweight division. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if this is a fight the UFC is going to want to run back. But if not, one that I thought is Dalby versus Fakhradimov. You know, yeah. uh, if they don't want to run the... Um, 
Zaleski Dos Santos fight back with him. I think that makes a ton of sense for Nick Dalby as yeah. well. And I mean, timelines would obviously make sense now. They just fought on the same card. So, uh, alrighty, boys. Uh, Brandon, before we get into UFC 295, update us on the scores. Yeah, so I mean, we all got one point, so mathematically it doesn't really matter. Um, ah. But if you want to add the points in, you have 90, I have 81, John has 74. Alrighty, boys, this Saturday, UFC 295, uh, live from Madison Square Garden in New York, New York, with a main card start time of, start time, excuse me, of 10 p.m. Eastern Standard, um, and you know before we get into our picks, I got a little fun fact about New York, and the, the humor, uh, I guess, and or maybe irony of this may only translate for people that have been to New York, um, but my fun fact is that horn honking is actually illegal legal in New York City and the fine for unnecessary honking carries a uh tax of $350. Um, it's obviously rarely enforced, but technically it is illegal except for in emergencies. What makes that I think it is funny because I haven't been to New York, but when I think of like what stuff I've seen in movies or shows, it it's just kind of seems like that's just exactly how it is. Taxis honking yeah. at people. It's just yeah. that's all it is. Like literally and like it's funny when you're in a taxi like your driver will just honk and it's like there's nothing they needed to honk for. They just like honk. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's just like so like yeah, muscle instinctual. Memory. They just yeah. do it. Um, yeah, I thought that was really, really wild that it uh, $350 fine. But yeah, you're only supposed to do it in uh, cases of emergencies. Mm-hmm. So any unnecessary honking and car alarms, you can be fined uh, for your car alarm going off as well. Really? Yeah. That's three, an odd one. $350 for that as well. Mm. Boys, in our main event, here we go. And for the vacant light heavyweight title, number one, Yuri Prohashka versus number three, Alex Pereira. Um, and yes, this is a vacant title, boys, as Jamal Hill relinquished his championship status back in July after suffering a ruptured Achilles tendon. Um, that marked the sixth time in seven years that the light heavyweight title has either been stripped or vacated. Wild. Yeah. Um, um, and it was pretty admirable thing for Hill to do. You know, uh, I guess that has to be said. Um, because of that decision, we get this fantastic matchup, and it's for the undisputed title this Saturday, uh, which can't be said for our co-main event, but we'll get to that. More on that in a minute. <laughs> uh, because I do think it's important. Like, imagine how underwhelming this Saturday would have been um, if it was being main evented and co-main evented by in- for two interim yeah. titles. Like, great matchups, both of them. I'm not saying that, but it's like, oh, come on, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will have a new champion this Saturday. Uh, so let's talk about it. Or I guess I could say we hope, or will we? We're looking at you, Uncle Ivan Bohovich. Oh, like, that's worst case scenario, right? <laughs> I mean, man, this this like light heavyweight division is just dying for somebody to win this title and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, returning boys after a year on the sidelines um, is the former champ and man who never actually lost his title, Yuri Prohashka. Uh, Yuri defeated Glover Teixeira. Say it, John. Teixeira. Oh, only because I said it. That's the only. If not, we would have got a nice Teixeira. Text- no, it's a Teixeira. The Teixeira. Yeah. He defeated Glover Teixeira in June of last year by fifth round submission to capture the title. Um, and then about five months months later, he suffered a severe shoulder injury um, and one that Dana White called the worst he's ever seen in his career, um, which led to Yuri also doing the admiral thing as Jamal Hill did and relinquishing his title, um, which that decision is what Jamal said led to his. Like, I got mm. my opportunity because he did the right thing. So pretty cool. I like that. Um, before that injury, though, Yuri had won 13 straight fights in his career, which culminated in the risen light heavyweight title and then in just his third 
UFC fight, the aforementioned light heavyweight title win. Um, and I remember when Yuri got a title shot, we all couldn't believe he was getting one after just two UFC wins. Um, not that we didn't think he was deserving, but, you know, it was, he was definitely fast-tracked, right? Mm. And I think his opponent, Alex Pededa, may be the only man who can <laughs> compete with him on that level. Uh, right. Because Pededa wasn't just fast-tracked to a UFC title shot. Um, he was fast-tracked in this sport overall. Mm. Um, because in just his eighth mixed martial arts fight of his career, he defeated Israel Adesanya for the middleweight championship, uh, which which is almost unheard of in this sport. Um, and that's one thing to keep in mind this Saturday is though Alex does hold more UFC fights than Yuri, which is kind of crazy to think. <laughs> um, he only has about a third of the pro mixed martial arts experience that Prohashka has. Mm -hmm. um, after defeating Adesanya, though, for the middleweight title, Alex lost the rematch back in April of this year. Um, and after the loss, he announced he was moving up to light heavyweight. And just three months later, he made his debut in the weight class by defeating former champion Jan Blachowicz by a split decision. Uh, so as mentioned, two guys who have had very fast and impressive runs in the UFC so far. I'm very fascinated to see how this matchup is going to play out. Um, and getting back to something that I just mentioned, you know, we are obviously not fighters by any means. Um, so I'm not asking from that standpoint. I'm just asking, you know, uh, and I'm not asking for your picks right now either. Um, but just as fans, right, and deciding who wins this matchup, when you think about it, do you think there's more value on Yuri, who has three times the amount of mixed martial arts experience as Alex? Or do you see it as a more value that, uh, for Alex having not only double the UFC fights as Yuri, uh, but one of his wins was against the former middleweight champ, one was against the current middleweight champ, and one was against the former light heavyweight champ. Um, that's really crazy when you think about it. A lot of high-level experience, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you guys think, though? Do you, do you like the experience? And again, this doesn't have to reflect your pick. Just because you like one or the other doesn't mean that's who you're taking, but what do you guys think about that? When you say value, do you mean just kind of more impactful? Like yeah, like in terms of this scenario, like going into this main event, like who, where is the value? Like, is it in just more mixed martial arts experience? Because in terms of combat experience, they're probably very even, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Alex Pededa, you know, very well traveled in um, kickboxing in the world. So it's he's not like he's short. Fame, right, right. So it's like, it's not like this guy just started fighting. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, Given even that background, the fact that he does have com probably in terms of just combat sports, they're probably very similar. Um, but then, you know, Alex obviously having more just UFC big fight main event experience. I I don't know. I mean, so I guess to, I don't know if I'm answering your question right, but like I, I see Yuri as having the more uh, obviously, like you said, experience, the more tools. Um, but like in terms of the substantial place of this of this fight like to me there's more impact or value in terms of what alex is doing just because of the the fast track on the in terms of the sport like you said who he's beaten recently between yawn adesanya and like now he's in a different weight class yeah. like he's, he's beat three champions he's, he's doing things that it just never been done like how how coveted is, is a is two belts right yeah. like and he's about to do that with such a limited scope you in know, the in, sport. Yeah, in the yeah. sport. So that that's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something to four of your six UFC fights being against current or former champions. Sure. Um the the level of experience you're getting, uh obviously you he's training with a former not only a former champion, but one who's fought Yuri Prohoshka. So there's there's some little things in there for him and for, for Yuri too, you know, I do think there also is something to seeing 
multiple different types of fighters um as far as um like seeing more wrestlers and not just having i mean because this the path to the top for lx kind of gave him some opportunities to really shine with who he was matched up with whereas you know yuri's kind of been in there with a, a, a kind of a mixed bag so it will be interesting to see how it translates all right let's get to our picks i'm really interested for our picks for all these cards i would be very shocked um, I'll say in the main and co-main event, if we all three go the same way, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. very interested because I, I, I feel, and I feel like that's kind of the consensus from just not just us as fans, but fans <laughs> yeah. and overall is like, what the heck is going to happen in these two fights? Um, so let's kick it to our super athlete, John. Here's my problem. This whole card is full of pickums, and this, I mean, this is it no does different. feel that way. I mean, even just the odds are kind of all pickums. Yeah, but it does for feel this that one, way. it's like I see that Yuri is very weird. And I mean, even like with the Dominique Reyes and some of his fights, he gets hit and he's been, I mean, he said Reyes knocked him out. He just so happened to wake up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can let Alex do that. Um, But the weird also is hard to prepare for. And for somebody like Alex, who's going to be very technical, it'll be interesting to see if he can stay disciplined to that um, and not fall into, you know, the lull of what Yuri tries to do with just kind of the weirdness. Um, I do say this is probably going to be some of the best promo that comes from whether it's embedded or some of the videos they do. Cause he's both of these dudes are just stoic and just kind of like real old school. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Alex. I'm going to say Alex and I'm going to say second round knockout. I think he can catch Jerry just trying to be a little bit extra, maybe keeping his hands down, doing funky stuff. Mm. And I just think that he could time out that left hand. Yeah, so like, I agree as far as the pickups, right? This kind of seems to be a consensus across the card. Yeah. And I can see almost everybody on this card's path to victory, except for one. Mm-hmm. I really struggle with Yuri. Um, like I, for, really? For, yeah, man. Like, And the reason wow. for that, a, a reason for that for me, a primary reason, is rewatching his fights, predominantly the one with, with Glover. Um, he, as John said, he gets hit a lot. But he won that fight. <laughs> Okay, but, but let's. But I feel like that. But that needs a little asterisk. Like, yes, he won the fight. Well, you talked about it last year. That fight was wild. Yeah, yeah. Let's not pretend yeah, like he sure. went in there and blew the door off of Glover. Like, no, he. he was Glover, in, a fantastic grappler in his own right, way better than Alex Pereira, and way more credentialed and, of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And had Yuri rocked on the feet multiple times. Yeah, that's times. true too. Like, that's fair. Like I just, it, just for me, Yuri's, and it's predominantly his stance. And he just took a year off from what doctors are saying was one of the worst shoulder injuries they've yeah. ever seen. So either he's a freak who recovers like none other or he's this is a little early of a recovery so but again as far as the path i don't know what that is because his grappling isn't the most profound he's he can grapple like you said he he submitted but does it need to be profound to beat a guy that again i mean alex pedeta i'm sure he's a pretty fairly decent grappler but does it need to be profound to beat alex pedeta a kickboxer i I think so who has shown no jujitsu thus far I think so. Like okay. I, I think it does, and I think like you could go back to well, Izzy knocked him out in their most in their most recent rematch. Yeah, but Izzy also had a lot of time in there with Alex, and it took him four or however many to finally get that knockout. Mm. Um, and Yuri's just so, he's just so all over the place, and yeah. I, so so for me, um, I, I'm gonna lean into Alex on the, for that reason and the power man that left hook and where Yuri keeps his hands. Yeah, I'm gonna go with first round knockout for Alex. Oh wow, yeah. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you just everything you said is almost exactly opposite of how I look at this fight, but that's also like what one of the things I love about the sport is mm-hmm. I do think everybody interprets things differently. Um, yeah, man, the, the thing he goes goes out that quick is interesting. I'm not saying it's crazy thing he doesn't get knocked out, but he ate some shots from Glover and didn't go mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love both of these guys, probably two of the most intense guys in the promotion. I flip flopped a lot on this. 
I am ever so slightly, though, leaning Giri Prohoshka here. Um, and there's a lot of things that do worry me about that decision. The biggest, so you guys both mentioned it, um, is Giri gets hit a lot because he leaves his hands very, very yeah. low. And as John said... But he has shown incredible durability. Right. Uh, but as John said, you know, when Predator lands flush, guys usually do not get back up. Um, <clears throat> but what got me to this decision ultimately was, I think, and this is like kind of almost, like I said, almost opposite of what Brandon said, is I think Geary is so unorthodox and so unpredictable that it may give Pedeta a lot of problems. You know, Alexa's never fought a mixed martial artist, uh, anything like Geary, um, and certainly no one with a stand-up game like Geary's either. Um, and it's a style that doesn't play by the rules, right? And it is very unorthodox and hard to predict. Like, mm -hmm. coming off these, like, Nganu Fury, you know, all these, like, boxing matchups, that's one thing you hear, like, KSI, uh, Tommy Fury, where they're, like, they're just so unorthodox. Like, how do you, like, it, it almost, right. like, they're so weird it threw them off, right? Um, Yuri's also good at creating scrambles, the chaos. He thrives in that wild fight, right? He does not stop moving. And I think the longer the fight goes, especially if it goes um, at Yuri's pace, we could see Pereira slow a lot, mm -hmm. fade a lot. Um, and when it slows, I think Yuri will see the blood in the water. I also believe Yuri is just the better all-around mixed martial artist mm -hmm. right now. Um, even with the layoff, that just doesn't concern me as much for a guy like Yuri. Um, and I think... Um, it will have to be late in the fight, uh, but I will take Yuri Prohoshka. I'll say fourth round submission, actually. Yeah. I think that uh, another thing with Alex with those calf kicks, I think he can slow down some of that weird, you know, I forward I think pressure. You have to kick is like, I don't think it will. I think you'll have to like. You but have it only to takes so many. You can't. You, you to, can't out tough a it, calf kick. No, but it would have to take like drop. Like he'd have yeah. to like hit that perennial nerve and like shut. It's like Yuri's so tough. He's not going to stop coming forward from pain right. if his leg shuts off. That's what it'll right. have to take. Something like that, but. I don't, that's one thing, like, consistently, I feel like when I think of Yuri, is like, man, just a super tough, durable guy. And, and I think you can't. I don't, Very awkward, yeah. I don't think you can out-tough a flying knee either, and Alexa's really great at those. The, the only he thing. needs to be seen if he can do that at light heavyweight throws. I, well. I don't know if this is a good analogy or not. This was another thing that I thought of a lot, like, on the drive over here, in terms of my pick, is looking at Strickland. Now, I'm not, I don't, obviously, Strickland and Yuri are very different, but one thing they have similar is that their striking is awkward. They kind of do something unique that a lot of people don't do. And when I look at that, I see how Alex handled it. I look how Izzy handled it. And then I'm looking at Yuri and, again, very awkward. Not the same as Strickland, but just awkward in his mm -hmm. own right. And I just, I think on paper, Alex's ability to just be a very technical striker should handle that well. Now, it's MMA, though. So mm -hmm. when it comes into the grappling, I will be interested to see if that plays a bigger role for sure. Yuri. I, like I said, I don't, I don't disagree, like, with Alex or, you know, in terms of, you know, like Sean Strickland and Izzy, they're very unique in what they do, but I don't think it's hard to probably find people to replicate that. It may be hard mm. to find people to replicate it at a high level, but like Sean Strickland, you know, pairing and doing the Philly shell, and like there's a lot of guys that can do that. Who do you find that just keeps their hands down at their hips and just like <laughs> like does the things that Yuri does? Right. And it's like and that could Amateurs. Be, and that could lead to his downfall. Like I understand yeah. that. That's the risk with taking Yuri here is He's going against a guy that, like I said, when he when Alex hits guys, they do not get back up. So, but again, I think Glover hits like a truck as well, and Yuri just kind of went. And I think if Yuri literally just makes this an absolute shit show, like just chaos, kind of like he did that Glover. Like when like when we're watching Glover, how many times did we all say what is happening right now? <laughs> I don't know if Alex can win the what is happening right now because I do think there is a thing to MMA experience and being in those moments. And yeah. at least in MMA, 
Alex just hasn't been there, man. Right. I think you have to go there and go through that. Um, and I just feel like Yuri has, and I, mm -hmm. and that's where I'm like, if he, and that's what he, he tries to breed that fight. Either we're going to have this kind of fight or I'm going to finish you. Like, right. and that's kind of where Yuri falls. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, for both of the, the co and the main event, I don't think we're going to come back shocked as like, Oh, so-and-so no. one. Cause these are just all just totally crazy matchups. Totally agree with that. And moving into our co-main event and for the interim heavyweight title, number two, Sergey Pavlovich versus number four, Tom Aspinall. Um, and I guess let us begin with how we got here. This spot was originally obviously to be filled by John Jones versus Stipe for the heavyweight title. Um, then, as we mentioned last week in the news, uh, Jones injured his shoulder wrestling. He's out for an expected eight months. So instead of rebooking Stipe or leaving him on this card, uh, the UFC opted to go this route with a new matchup for the interim title. And that's actually where I do want to start. Um, because we now know um, from this past week, Stipe said, and, and Dana White said as much, that Stipe was never even offered an interim fight or a different fight on this card. So he was never offered Aspinall or Pavlovich for an interim title. Um, and Stipe, to me, didn't seem like a guy who would have said no to either of those options. Mm -hmm. um, and then when asked about it, Dana said the reasoning was you don't ask guys like Stipe to step in on short notice like that. It wouldn't be fair, blah, blah, blah. Um, don't quote me, um, but he may even have used uh, the word disrespectful in a sense. Okay, I thought yeah. it'd be, he's like, it'd be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. um, and I find those comments completely ironic coming off an <laughs> event where you asked your current featherweight champ and number three pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, Alexander Volkanovsky, and another former champ um, in Kamara Usman to step in on short notice on the same card. Both guys who have been multiple-time champions more than Stipe ever was, for the record. Stipe, yes, the most winningest heavyweight champion of all time not more wins in terms of title fight wins though than those two guys um and again i'm not saying they should have forced that on stipe um or that stipe should have done that if he was offered but i feel like you at least got to give the option right yeah i mean i think this is also a double-edged thing compared to our uh, our main event because you know now you know this because there's so much weirdness surrounding this whole situation because to me this sounds like oh john jones says he's only fighting stipe and if stipe goes out there and loses to Aspinall or pavlovich you lose the john jones fight you know he maybe he's not yeah. as interested in that because he's the champion because you can't you know i mean you can but either way so i think there is a weird side of you know well we're not going to offer it to him he's saying he just wants the belt back and then, like you said, to have a main event where the champion vacates the title from an injury because he wants the, the division to be able to keep on moving. But John Jones isn't necessarily in that same situation. Right. That sounds like a fun narrative. Jones is trying to, not necessarily Jones, but the UFC trying to stave off the possibility of Jones having to fight like an Aspinall or a Sergei. Because he might not. He might just retire. Yeah. Good. And I, that's something I've talked about too. Like, to me, there's not a whole lot Steve Bay offers Jones in terms of a matchup. Like I understand it, but I think that's that's why that's something they're really pushing for. Is that's a that's a good matchup for Jones. Well, I think it also further puzzles me, you know, attaching the interim title to this as well, especially when the UFC has already said that when Jones is healthy, that fight between him and Steve Bay is getting rebooked. Um, and if that's in eight months, then what does that mean for the winner of this fight? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I feel as, uh, as if you win this fight, you're almost signing yourself up for a year on the sidelines, you know, unless you're willing to put that number one contender status on the line. But even then, you know, if whoever wins this fight is willing to do that, does that mean next year we're going to see the undisputed and interim titles defended? You know, it's just kind of a weird situation to me. Like, I don't it just like I don't necessarily understand. The Did you see Aspinall's um, comments from when he was in ask about it? 
Uh-uh. So they ask him why he wasn't even on this card beginning with because you would think you know you'd have the the contender on the sure. undercard whatever and he said he was never asked because from what he said that the ufc had an idea of you know regardless of who wins both guys are retiring so they would save him kind of like the whitaker and yoel thing mm-hmm. for a retired champion to get the vacant and, title and that could be why they're attaching it here like maybe they are planning for a double retirement from stipe and jones and it's like like with Whitaker or whatever, it's like he'll just become the champion, whoever wins this fight. So in the end, maybe in 10 months, we'll be like, dang, that fight was actually really important. <laughs> and like that interim status was actually really big. Um, but yeah, that is, but uh, another thing to add to this is uh, Sergey was due, you know, to be the backup fighter for this mm-hmm. as well. So that's another thing to think about going into this. And, and I also want to say, I'm by no means suggesting that Aspinall and Pavlovich isn't a great fight or that it doesn't make sense or, you know, whoever wins this fight shouldn't be the number one contender. I just feel, uh, number one, Stipe should have at least been offered one or the other. And two, I just don't understand the interim aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, unless maybe they are expecting a double retirement but it just creates confusion you know yeah. i just think the interim titles they should have purpose like if Stepe wanted to stay on this card right and face one of these guys you would 100 percent could throw an interim title on that like that makes so much sense you unify with jones next year whoever wins whatever um but in this case just call it i just think just call it everyone contender match like yeah. I, I don't know and i also know like take it prices were astronomical for this card. Yeah. So maybe you have to, if you're the UFC, you have to make it somewhat worth it. Like mm-hmm. double gold on the line. You yeah. Need it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's similar to 294, right? You, yeah. you know, you have tickets you have to sell and you have to keep people there. And when you lose a title fight, especially one with a name like John Jones and even Stipe attached to it, that um, you got to find something to kind of get people still into it. Quick look at the matchup, though. Sergey Pavlovich lost his UFC debut um, to Alistair Overeem back in 2018, but since then has looked unstoppable. Six straight wins for Pavlovich with six straight first-round knockouts. Um, his last three wins were Derek Lewis, Ty Tuivasa, and most recently Curtis Blades back in April. His opponent, Tom Aspinall, went a perfect 5-0 and in the UFC before a freak leg break against Curtis Blades in July of last year. He spent one year on the sideline and returned almost one year to the date this past July where he made quick work of Marcin Chabira, winning by first-round TKO. Um, and it's time to answer the question, boys. <sighs> Uh, and that is, can Aspinall solve this Pavlovich problem, or does Pav remain the boogeyman of this division? John, take it Ooh. away. This one is, uh, this one's even tougher for me to pick than the the main event. Only in the fact that I could see Aspinall doing what Overeem did to Pavlovich, as far as like kind of crowding him, mm-hmm. getting him to the ground, and kind of landing big shots. But I could also see even even beyond just a knockout. If if Aspinall kicks Pavlovich in the leg, Pavlovich is a huge dude, mm-hmm. and he just seems solid. Like you don't know what happens um, in that aspect. And you know, Sergey has gone five rounds before. He has gone three rounds before. It's not just been first rounds. Just in the UFC, nobody's been able to get him out of that threshold. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the other issue. Is if if Tom Aspinall can get him into round two or round yeah. three, what does that look like? Um, because in the five-round fight that Pavlovich does have, he wasn't as big as this. He was a little bit smaller. He didn't have nearly as much muscle. But he had the game plan of doing just outside leg kicks and jabs and occasionally throwing big punches. He didn't have like the big flurries that he has now in the UFC where he just kind of runs at guys recklessly because he believes in his chin. 
Um, so that's kind of what it comes down to for me is can Tom Aspinall play kind of the cat and mouse game long enough to really be able to have Sergey be slowed down enough for him to land his game? Because I think that anybody who stays within punching range of Pavlovich is playing a very, very dangerous game. Um, but I kind of feel like Tom can do that. I feel like his his foot movement and his footwork and his movement can keep him away enough. He could uh, threaten some stuff with the takedowns to kind of get Pavlovich to slow down a little bit, and he can start wearing down on him. Um, so I'm going to take Tom Aspinall by fourth-round TKO. Okay. So I'm taking Tom Aspinall here as well. I think that he has way more tools in the toolbox than Pavlovich does. I think Pavlovich always has that power, just like Derek Lewis, just like Tai Tuivasa, and um, the guys more recently that he's fought. Um, Aspinall carries a 100% takedown defense and 100% takedown offense. He's landed every takedown he's attempted. Um, I don't think this is going to be that different. I think it's very, very possible. I can see um, Aspinall landing a blast double early on in the fight, and I think once he gets Pavlovich down, he's going to be very comfortable there. I also think he has the in-and-out ability standing on the feet to kind of avoid those power shots. However, if Pavlovich lands, I, I we've never seen Aspinall's chin really tested, so I'm interested to see that. If he does get cracked, how does he weather it? We saw Gon get hit really bad with Ty, who dropped him, but Gon was able to kind of weather it and sort of come back and win that fight, so I'm interested to see if we get those questions answered for Tom. But for me, I'm taking Tom Aspinall here. I'm going to say probably by submission. I'll go with, uh, I think even maybe early. I'm going to go with second round submission for Tom Aspinall. I, yeah, I think, you know, I, one thing I think is the last minute nature of this fight makes it very interesting as well. And I don't know how do they have been a full camp, you know, if I would have went this way. Because um, I think it comes down, you know, whose game is better equip, equipped to come in and win a fight like this on short notice. And honestly, for that answer, I have no idea. And I think usually I go for the guy who I feel has the most ways to win or who is just most well-rounded overall, uh, which obviously is Aspinall. But I think here with the late notice, I'm going to keep it simple and go with the guy that I think has the easiest way to win, and that is Pavlovich. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know if Tom Aspinall can take down Pavlovich. I can tell you last night watching Gelatin Almeida take down Derek Lewis almost made me flip my th- pick here because I thought, like, man kind of a similar situation, right? Like a guy coming in around 230, 240, taking down this big guy because he's just so prolific of a wrestler. Um, And I know Tom Aspinall certainly has the skill set and the CV to do it, uh, but Pavlovich is a test all in himself, man. So different than anyone Aspinall has faced. Um, So I just don't know if Aspinall can do it, but I know for a fact that Sergei Pavlovich is going to have an opportunity to punch Tom Aspinall in the face. Um, (laughs) And for a man with otherworldly power, you know, I just don't know that anyone can eat it. You know, I, yeah. Brandon, you kind of said it there. Like, can, like, let's get this answer tested. But it's like, even if Tom Aspinall can't, I don't think that's a reflection on Tom Aspinall's chin. Right. It's just who can eat this guy's mm-hmm. power. Um, and I think it's a bit unfair as well to call Pavlovich just a power puncher because for his size, he not only moves very well, but he's very fast, very technical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not even so much the big loopy. It's the straight punches for Pavlovich. I mean, when you watch that Curtis Blades, the jabs were like stunning Curtis mm-hmm. Blades every single time. It was crazy. I think his chin's underrated as well. Oh, yeah. Um, He's eaten some big shots in his last couple fights. Go 
back to that Derek Lewis and Tui Vasa. I mean, he's eating just as many hooks from those guys as he's delivering. Um, and look, you know, if Aspinall takes him down, he definitely wins the fight. I mean, I think we can mm-hmm. all kind of agree to that. I think if uh, Aspinall could also just survive, kind of like John's pick. I think you had it in the fourth round. Yeah. You know, um, if he can kind of drag him into some deep water, that could be interesting as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to keep it simple and say Pavlovich will land. We all know what happens after he lands. Uh, so give me Pavlovich, man. First round knockout. Yeah, not a bad pick. I just think that's how it has to be for him to yeah. win. But again, man, and I and I almost like watching that Curtis Blades fight again this week. I wonder if that was some like of what Blades' game plan was. Because I feel like if you're Tom Aspinall, you watch that fight and you're like, well, even if this guy knocks me out, I have to try my wrestling at, at least try. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Curtis Blades didn't, and it didn't work. He did shoot one shot after he was kind of stunned. And Pavlovich, to his credit, again, because I do think he's a big athletic guy did get his hips back sprawled really nice and stuffed the shot Mm -hmm. um but curtis blades was obviously pretty rocked at that point right and curtis blades ability to enter takedowns is very different compared to yes he doesn't set him up tom aspinall another guy though that i you know when you go back and watch he does he has had a knack of shooting very naked like not setting up his takedowns i would say out of Blades, Almeida, Aspinall. Aspinall is the best at it in Mm -hmm. terms of setting him up. He doesn't do it as often, but he has. He's 100%. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I think Gelton Almeida was as well, but he still had several cases where he just level change um, and take guys down. And, hey, when you're that good, you can. And Mm -hmm. maybe Aspinall is that good. Again, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but, um, yeah, I just feel at some point. Pavlovich is going to hit him within yeah. the first couple of minutes. Well, that's what that's you know as we talked about how you know these two are going to go and how we're going to pick. Yeah. Similarly, why I picked Alex is why you're picking kind of Sergey, where it's like, sure. hey, this guy could land something, yeah. and you know for a fact that he can land something. It's just, is he going to get the chance to? Next on our main card, next featured bout for us. These are just one point picks, and in the women's strawweight division, number five Jessica Andrade versus number seven Mackenzie Dern. Uh, let us start with Andrade, who might be the one on this card most in need of a win this Saturday. That is because Andrade is currently on a three fight losing streak, which is the longest of her career. Um, it's not even just the losses that have been a concern; as she's also been finished in all three of her last fights. Um, now, context is important, obviously, in the context here being that she's faced arguably the three best female fighters in the world right now right. like honestly um and i like i said mean that literally aaron blanchfield yon shawn allen and most recently tantiana suarez back in uh uh, August, excuse me. So definitely a murderer's row there. Her opponent, Mackenzie Dern, comes in two and two in her last four with a loss to Marina Rodriguez and a win over Tisha Torres, a loss to Yan Shaunown, and most recently a win over Angela Hill back in May. Um, so you can see where she's kind of struggled against top 10 opposition, Mackenzie mm-hmm. Dern. You know, every time she goes to make that next step, she, she comes up short, um, which Andrade is still on paper. You know, she's ranked number five. Um, but the question is, I guess, is Andrade still a top 10 fighter on a, you know, on fight night? Um, and at this point in her career, or is McKenzie Dern the one who can kind of expose that? Um, but I will also say for Andrade, uh, before the three-fight skid against the best in the world, uh, she was making easy work of her opponents in that next tier of talent, where I do see McKenzie Dern to be right now. Uh, but it's just kind of whether she's still capable of those performances or on that level. Um, so what do you guys think, John? Who are you taking? Just need one point. Um, just need a winner, I mean. I'm going to go with Dern here. I think that... As much as Andrade definitely needs this win, Dern needs to get two in a row, three in a row to stay in the position she wants to be in. So I think you're going to see her kind of 
really bite down. And I think that, you know, she has a really good chin. She has really good jujitsu. So I think that, you know, she can get to her game. Um, and Andrade, like you said, I mean, she really needs it. So she's going to take chances. And if you take chances, sometimes that can put you in bad spots, especially with somebody with good jujitsu like Dern. I'm taking Dern as well. I think, yeah, the submissions are always there. I've been dying for Dern to just have a blast double leg or a decent <laughs> single leg like that since she's entered the UFC. Um, but her last fight with Angela Hill, I think she showed some pretty improved striking. It was a little more technical, a little crisper. Um, and she, able, I think the sad I read that she was able to flip her striking differential with that one fight. She was negative up to that point with Hill. So I like seeing that. Um, and I just think the blueprint's kind of been made here for, again, how to beat Andrade. She's been knocked out. She's been subbed. Um, so I think Dern definitely has that capability. She just has to crowd her, clinch up with her, drag her to the ground somehow, and I think she'll be all right. So I'm taking Dern. Yeah, my only concern for Dern is that she gets her ca herself caught kind of in a firefight here with Andrade, who's always going to be dangerous. And Dern, mm -hmm. at times, um, has shown some lapses in her in-fight IQ. But yeah, you know, with two of Andrade's last three losses being by submission, I think as long as Dern keeps that chin tucked, um, I think she's, you know, I think she has a good chance here. I think she's the safer bet. Uh, plus, I think what we've seen from Andrade is just more of an indictment on where she is kind of right now in her career. And Dern is a fighter, you know, we're still seeing grow and get better. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm taking Mackenzie Dern um, in our final featured bout boys that we're going to pick for um, in the bout that I think this is possibly going to steal the show right here. And it's in the lightweight division number 14 Matt Frivola versus Benoit Saint Denis. Um, and let's first look at the New York native, the steamroller, Matt Frivola, uh, who as of late has been on an absolute tear with three straight wins, with three straight first-round KO finishes. His most recent victory was a first-round TKO win over Drew Dober back in May. Um, and fighting at home or close to home, I guess, has proven successful for Frivola. Um, and this will be his third consecutive fight in the tri-state area, and he is 2-0 and in those last two. Uh, but looking to ensure he doesn't make it three straight is the Frenchman Benoit Saint-Denis. Um, he has a 12-1 and professional record with a four-fight win streak and all four wins by finish. His last win was a second-round TKO finish over Thiago Moisés last month. Uh, so quicker turnaround here for Saint-Denis, um, who many thought after his last fight would see his name entered into the top 15, but you can ensure if he beats Frivola here, that will be the case come Monday morning. Um, but both of these men are finishers, and mm -hmm. man, they both look to get their business done early and fast, and I couldn't be more excited to see this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to go with the steamroller here, man. I think uh, I put a lot of stock in knocking out Drew Dober in round one. I mean, that's a guy whose chin, yeah. we've seen him take punches from everybody, and there's been people who've put him out, but nobody that quick. Um, and I just think he has all the confidence in the world right now, and uh, I, I just I just like him in this matchup. Yeah, I, I really have no idea. These guys are very similar in regards to how they fight. They're very similar in their ability to grapple, land takedowns, and very similar in terms of um, that overall style. I, I think, I, I, to me, this was the hardest one to pick for, and I still don't know where I'm landing. I went a little bit with youth just because Benoit is 27, I believe, whereas Hervola is, I think, 33, which isn't crazy old, but just I think youth, I tend to lean a little bit. Um, so I'm just going to go with Benoit in this case. Yeah, defense is not either of these guys' forte. I think we've seen Saint-Denis go full baby deer in all of his <laughs> UFC fights to this point. Uh, but I think if I look at in terms of skill sets, you know, I do see Saint-Denis as the more well-rounded fighter. He has a great left body kick uh, and, and inside leg kick. Um, and I actually think if he can get uh, the fight down... Um, 
and, and avoid that firefight. I think he has a really good chance here. Um, and I think he could finish Frivola on the ground as well uh, because I do think Sandini holds a huge advantage there in the grappling and wrestling specifically. Um, but I think sometimes in matchups like this, the skill sets don't matter. Uh, Frivola is fighting at home in front of his home crowd, and this place is going to be electric when he comes out MSG. And I think that environment will lead to these two meeting in the middle and just throwing, man. Mm-hmm. Um and I think there's something that can't be denied about the steamroll of fighting close to home. So I'm going to take him here uh, to recreate the magic for a third straight time and find a win in front of his home crowd. Uh, and I'll say I'll be kicking myself if Sandini goes in and just takes him down. Gets him <laughs> against the cage, takes him down, and finishes by TK or sub. Because that's that's kind of what the crystal ball is telling me. My yeah. crystal ball is kind of telling me that. Uh, but sometimes you you know, you know go magic over crystal ball. You know Sometimes you just go that way. Didn't Matt Revolve fight Armand Sarukian? Mm-hmm. Yes. Win. I think he lost. It's weird. I'm just not seeing it on us. Oh, here we go. Here it, it was is. right before yeah. he lost that seven it second a, knockout to Terrence McKinney. Yeah. It yeah. A, it was a decision. A little subplot I love about this fight as well is Frivola was a lieutenant in the U.S. Army and uh, Saint-Denis was a paratrooper in the French Army Special Forces. Um, so Frivola came up with the idea that uh, they he should have shorts that would kind of represent him being a veteran in the Army. Um, and Saint-Denis should have shorts signifying his time in the special French Special Forces. And Dana White was asked about it a couple weeks ago, said he agreed with the idea and that there should be shorts for veterans to wear, or veterans or you know, current active military people. I, I love the idea i hope that's something that comes to fruition you know obviously as we sit here on saturday before the first sunday before the fight uh, we won't know i'm sure it'll be in the embedded mm-hmm. or something um we'll have to wait and see how the fight week plays out but dana did seem to imply that it was going to happen did so. they ever give bryce mitchell the camo shorts mm-hmm. that he yeah. was asking for so if they can yeah. do that then you can do this somebody right? else yeah there was camo somebody else got i thought one too like a specialty one who was it can't remember Somebody else got a specialty one as well. But, yeah, so hopefully we do see something like that. That would be cool. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The women's bantamweight title was left vacant after retirement of Amanda Nunes. Now has a set of challengers to claim it. UFC 297 will now feature a title fight between number two, Raquel Pennington, and number three, Myra Silva. Although most everyone assumed that the former champion, Juliana Pena, was going to get the fight, she is still injured and said that she will get the next shot. Uh, also said she feels bad, not for her, but for the fans for being forced to watch this horrible fight. But, you know, as we'd said in the group, like, I, you kind of forget that was yeah. even yeah. up for grabs. Yeah, I sent it to you guys, and I said, raise your hand if you remember the bantamweight, <laughs> the women's bantamweight title uh, was vacant. And I went back, because um, I, I, after I sent you guys that and I had to look, I think Amanda vacated in like June or July. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're what, June, July, October. We're like three or four months where that belt's been vacant. Imagine if the men's bantamweight belt was vacant for four Ooh. months. We would be losing our minds. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's just more. And I don't blame that necessarily on the talent level. I just think that's more of like the UFC needs to get that division going. Yeah, they need to start you... building some more of these. And like even Myra, like she's coming off of that suspension. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's not a great look in and of itself. And, right. But it's like they need to start building that women's bantamweight division. Yeah, because if you look at the rankings, there's not there wasn't even somebody who I was like, oh, well, this might be the yeah. next one up. Like most of them have gone up or just aren't in that division. Yeah, anymore. Juliana Pena is the only one that's really done a good job of kind of building herself lately Mm -hmm. so maybe and maybe there is like 
maybe that is more that responsibility does fall on the ladies in that division that they need to start, you know, not doing what she's doing per se, but start building themselves a little bit more. But I'm sure that goes hand in hand as well. The UFC could probably do a little, like both sides could probably do better. Yeah. I mean, cause you do have like the Misha Tates and the Holly Holmes, but they're not winning yeah, either. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, another fight announcement that we have is for the co-main event that will be added to the crazy UFC Austin card, December 2nd, where fresh off a huge upset win over Grant Dawson, Bobby Green will be going five rounds with Dan Hooker. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I, the five round thing kind of, like I said, threw me off. I told you guys that. I feel like Diaz is the only one who's ever been able to pull. Well, I told you guys, I feel like it's the UFC. Like, let's actually see if somebody could die in a UFC <laughs> fight. Like, yeah. Holy, you put those two in there for five rounds. What's going to happen? Well, and for Dan Hooker, I mean, this guy just broke like half his body in yeah. his last fight. So yeah. to be in this situation, that's what I'm saying. It's like, good uh, Lord. crazy. Speaking of injuries, uh, we now know the injury that Hamzat Shemaev obtained in his uh, middleweight fight against Kamara Usman. What was thought to be a broken hand at first is now just ligament damage. His manager has said that he'll be in a brace for four weeks and then they'll reassess, but they don't think he'll need surgery. Good. So that keeps him in line to get yeah. his title shot. Um, some interesting things post Fury and Ganu. John Jones was asked about it, and he said that he thought he did great. He's glad that the fight was competitive, and it opens a lot of doors for everybody in the future. And then Dana White said he didn't see the fight, which I don't believe. But <laughs> the fact that he went 10 rounds with Tyson Fury is crazy. So if you look at it, he just went 10 rounds with Fury. Connor made 9 or 10 with Floyd. Pettis beat Roy Jones. He said, I know Roy's like 60 years old, but I just don't know what's going on. It's crazy. I don't think you can convince me that he didn't watch that nah, fight. he watched it. Um, but, he at least saw the video of the knockdown, for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but there's de- it, I, I feel like John Jones and Dana White were the two people that wanted to, people really wanted to know what they thought about sure. it. Um, and then also kind of crazy is the pay-per-view numbers. I don't know if you've seen that. They came back for it. No, um, they, no they didn't. They've already said that's just America. Right, but I'm just saying even then, because uh, f- ESPN Plus, 50 sec- 56K, and then around the world, 11K. But I don't think a lot of people thought this was going to be a real fight either. It's not. That's not even close to the number. They've already dissected that. There's like, that doesn't, that didn't even include Canada. It doesn't include, um, uh, Ariel Hawani just put this out. It doesn't include uh, where the fight aired over in the UK, which was like TNT, whatever that is. Um, and they were like, obviously Tyson Fury is huge over there and right. bigger in Europe. So like, that's, that's not even, I mean, it's not great in terms of an American market, but mm-hmm. like also, I mean, like, I mean, I guess Nganu lives in America, but he's also not an American. Like, you know what I mean? You right. gotta well, go, sometimes you gotta go around the world, like just get those true numbers. Like it's kind of like America and soccer. Like didn't, you they, would, didn't they do like a, uh, um, like a world or what kind of tour did they no, do? They didn't do anything. They didn't do any sort of pre No, just stuff? it got announced that it's in Saudi Arabia. Then they did their grand welcoming there, and then yeah. that's it. Is that yeah. on Saudi Arabia? I mean, they like, they probably don't care. I mean, they just wanted to see the fight in person, I guess. But I guess I brought it up also just to say that I don't think people thought it was going to be a good fight, and they didn't want to pay $90 to see what they thought probably yeah. was Francis to get worked, but it didn't sure. work out that I don't think the next one does that. If they, if, the next, if they did like a rematch, I don't think it does that bad in America yeah. as it did. Uh, and lastly, uh, some one fight night 16 results. Tyra Tolo winning by decision. And then Jonathan Haggerty, who is the one's Muay Thai bantamweight champion, defeated Fabricio Andrade, who is the one's MMA bantamweight champion via second round KO to get the vacant uh, kickboxing champion for one. And he now calls out Fabricio to get his MMA title so he could potentially have the Muay Thai kickboxing and MMA belt if he gets that fight. That'd be crazy. Uh, Brandon, song of the week. Oh, geez. Hang on. Let me pull it up. What's your favorite New York rap song? I don't even think I can name one. Specific to New York? Yeah. I have no idea. I thought you were a big Jadakiss guy. 
Who? <laughs> what you got? Sorry, Spotify's being. being we just doing your last played. Huh? Yeah, I just I usually like if I don't think about these beforehand. Frank I, Sinatra, I New York. <laughs> Listen, it never will top One Wish by Ray J. That was, yeah. So still the best that. one. Fair, even, fair enough. <laughs> um, let's, let's go with Stricken by Disturbed. <laughs> All right. Gosh, I, God, John, I can't believe it. What were you thinking? <laughs> it's a great song. <laughs> That's what he said, I'm pretty sure, when he, when, right. like, he initially said it, and you were just like, no. I just still, <laughs> like, I kind of, have, thankfully, I've forgotten about that now. Like, I, I was kind of getting over my sleep problems, and now there's no <laughs> way I'm going to go to sleep tonight, because that's going to live rent-free in my well, head. Well, if you listen to One Wish, it'd probably serenade you to John sleep. made One Wish his song of the week. Brandon, what's your one for the people? Uh, I kind of talked to you about it yesterday. I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say it today. So, I'm, I'm up in the nerd game, for sure, for me. So, I'm, I'm doing a chess tournament on December 2nd. So, I'm, like, nice. going full of the chess thing which as a result in order to enter this tournament i had to actually get a united states chess federation membership which is 45 dollars for those curious but um yeah so after this tournament i'll have an official elo like nationally ranked i figured chess. like like i was thinking about when you said that and i was like i would i bet you were so jacked like to submit that paperwork and just i'm sure it's going to come with some type of a card or something right yeah i, I haven't seen it because it won't download on my phone i'm going to be more jacked when i get my elo so after the tournament yeah. when i actually get a get a ranking that's where I'll be like, all right, guys, here for my Eli. Ask me who was going to come with a jacket. Mm. He said, not right now. Probably more of a vest. I feel like chess is more of a vest. <laughs> a cloth vest. Yeah. How do you feel like you're going to do? I have no idea. You've been there, in the gym? You've the been thing, working? If, if you don't know about chess, it is not out of the realm of possibility for me to go in there, face three air rolls, and get demolished by all three. Like, chess is a game where I have it's, no idea what an air hole is. An air hole. You, you said, said eight-year-old, but very eight, weird. Sorry, oh, sorry. Oh. Eight, eight year old. <laughs> I thought maybe that was some like chess. Like, no, chess is a young like man's game. Like some newbie or something. No, okay. so, so like kids from all over the world will get fantastic at chess, and they can go in and beat you know the, like thirty-year-old oh, grandmaster. So I could go in here against a bunch of kids and get what? Well, if that happens. Do not bring that up on this podcast. Oh, I hundred percent will. Do not tell me that. <laughs> well, <laughs> would you feel better if I go in there and say I demolished eight eight like three eight-year-olds? No, that's that, fair. Fair enough. <laughs> like it is what it is. I guess better story if you lose to them yeah. yeah speaking of new york how do you feel you do in those parks against those hustler guys that try to <laughs> we like, were just talking about that i think I, I think i do pretty well i've watched a lot of those guys i think i've I seen right. youtube videos of like young guys who have like their dad sitting next to him and he'll just like those young kids will just run through them mm, they'll yeah. try to like cheat and like move stuff around and they'll the catch them yeah, and stuff yeah it's yeah. so funny john what's your one for the people my um, one for the people is i'm actually watching a, a pretty interesting show I'm, I'm pretty excited about it's an anime but it's viking oh, it's no. called vinland saga um, it has similar characters from the Viking shows, um, but the storyline is just really cool. I bet nobody's going to watch that, John. Oh, dude, it's one of the most popular animes in the world right now. Oh, gosh. Mm. So grow up. Nate, I don't want to hear it. You watch One Piece. Yeah, the live so, action one. Yeah, it still counts. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Yeah. It's great. It's wild. The, um, gosh, what's the main character's name? <laughs> Rufy? Not Rufy. I have no idea. Luffy. Luffy. See, I was close. Yeah, not bad. Uh, who's, the, who's the kid that played him in that? Uh, I don't know who that. I feel like he's name. been in some other things, but he's awesome. He was great. Yeah, yeah the, it was on Netflix. I think I finished that bodies. That could be my one of my one. I finished that bodies on Netflix. If you like time travel stuff, sensational. Yeah, great. I know some people aren't into time travel because it does kind of hurt your head a little bit. Mm -hmm. I followed this one pretty well, but really good series on Netflix. Uh, like I said, oh, called Bodies. I got one thing for you. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at possibly like looking at what movies were out. And I remember you brought up that book that has the movie that's in theaters right now. Yeah. I'm reading it now. The movie is three hours yeah. and 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you have to wear like a diaper or something yeah. for that, man. Uh, my one for the people is shout out to Gaha's very own Gabe. <laughs> 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 
Uh, he won the Southern Indiana Combat Promotions featherweight title uh, by second round mar mounted armbar, and he also absolutely destroyed <laughs> that kid's legs too. Uh, didn't seem like he landed many either; just took a couple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, man, he's just just continues uh, to look better every time he's in there. But just an absolute stud, um, and I think he's a guy that's going to have a very, very him and Jaden Gowdy both are going to have uh, very legitimate professional mixed martial arts careers as yeah. long as they stay on this trajectory and keep getting better and stay as committed as they are. They're Remember, we said it first. Yeah, we did exactly. <laughs> Nobody has publicly said it on any platform. Cosine. Yeah, and, and and social media doesn't count. Right. You have to say it on a microphone, and we yep. did it first. And it's recorded, and it'll be put online, and you can't dispute that. Come back next week. We will recap UFC 295. Um, I'm interested, man. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I went opposite you guys. So the yeah. scores next week are either going to be Nate's pulling away. This like It could end it. If I don't. I, I don't think we've ever gotten over a hundred points, any of us. Yeah. But you're sitting right there. Well, next week, this is this is. Let's see what happens. Because you guys could catch me. Yeah. This could be a bad. Well, I for could. Me. Yeah, 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 John. I could pass you. John needs a miracle. If I try, if I get the finish right in the yeah, rounds, you're fighting for second. That's for sure. <laughs> see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.